This is the Seven Figure Agency Podcast. Discover the strategies and techniques to grow a highly successful and profitable digital marketing agency with your host, Josh Nelson. I'm so excited for today's episode of the Seven Figure Agency Podcast. Um, we are doing our agency success interviews where we're interviewing highly successful digital marketing agency owners from across the country on how they're growing, scaling, managing their clients, delivering world-class results. Um, and as you can see today, we are live in studio at the Miami home office studio, and we've got John Haneal with us. Uh, John has been a, a longtime member of the Seven Figure Agency, uh, has built a, a really successful business, and I can't wait for you to hear his story. Uh, we'll be talking about how he lands clients, how he delivers results, how he retains, uh, and really on his side, uh, how he also delivers with an international team. He's got an operational center in Latin America. So if you're excited, if you're excited, give me a yes in the comments and please have your questions ready to roll because we'll be looking for your questions as we go. So without further ado, John, thanks so much for being here. No, it's great. Excited to pack in and give you know so much value um, into what we're doing. Super excited to be here and just want to be like a value bomb to you guys. As much value as you can give value bomb let's do it so john i guess the best place to start is tell us a little bit about the agency i kind of gave you a little bit of an intro but who do you serve how many clients what's the current lay of the land yeah so we have about uh 60 65 clients 30 are in the legal niche um we're about at 87k per month recurring revenue and yeah and we service pretty much the legal niche so good, man. Congratulations on growing to set figures. I know it's been a, it's been a journey over the years. Yeah. Um, I think it's always important to spend a little bit of time talking about that journey, like not, not in a long form, but kind of what was the story? How did you get into running an agency in the first place? Uh, let's just start with that. Yeah. So I was a prim broker back, back in 2008. So we were selling business cards, postcards, and we were into the print marketing scene. And we started realizing that our clients were asking, you know, they wanted a website. And we said, oh, we don't build websites, but they kept on asking, we build websites. And then we you know, decided to just say, you know, let's build a website for them. We started learning WordPress with them. And then you know, from that point, we started like evolving into the digital marketing space. And then we started offering Facebook ads. We started offering um, social media, email marketing. And that's pretty much how I got into the space, into digital marketing. Started as a print broker, and then you know, that evolved. Excellent. So I guess, Right now, you're serving some local market. You're serving some attorneys. You've also got Go Staffy, which is to help agencies staff, um, you know, creative team in uh, out of Colombia, South America, which yes. we'll talk more about. Uh, but seven figures today, obviously, you know, kind of tell us the journey over the last couple of years to get to that point um, and kind of the, the the milestones along the way. Yeah, no, for sure. So we were we were pretty much in a bottleneck. Like when we were a print broker from 2008 all the way to 2015, we were not selling no recurring revenue or nothing like that. We started selling recurring revenue in about like from 2015 to 2019. We started offering, you know, the regular website with SEO and we were charging a premium for that. You know, and we were charging pretty much like $900 per month at that time, 500 to $900 per month. But we were stuck. We were stuck at that that bottleneck because, you know, we were around you know 15 to 19 k per month. But then one day, like I was at a Walmart and you know I received like a Facebook ad and it said Josh Nelson 
live event in Miami. And I said, well, it's, it's a live event. It's free and it's local, right? <laughs> so, so I decided to go and the rest is history. After that, you know, we signed up and I joined the mastery, you know, that was in December of 2019. Mm. And from, you know, from 2019, you know, December till now, we've tripled. I mean, no, I mean, more than that. I mean, you know, we started out around 20,000 a K, you know, and now we're, you know, pretty much 87 K per month. So that's pretty much what happened. And then we started learning all the techniques that you teach in the program. You know, we found the niche. We decided to go with legal because we had, a, you know, uh, five legal clients at the time. So we thought it was, you know, you know, pretty much easier to just, you know, pivot to that niche. Um, but yeah, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey. So yeah, I remember you came to the Roadmap Live. At the end of the Roadmap Live, we usually go to dinner and we hang out. I remember sitting next to you and kind of hearing, you know, you had this agency and you were ready to go to the next level. Um, and it sounds like the, the, the big thing was to, to, to choose the niche. Um, that's where a lot of people struggle at the beginning. It's like, I, I think it's going to be more efficient. Can you talk about some of the benefits that you had in just focusing on legal versus trying to serve everybody in the, in the business space? No, totally. I mean, we, we actually started first with dental, but then when, when we hit, you know, COVID happened, then I had a conversation with you and then you said, Hey, I think legal would be the better route. And thank God I did that. Right. Um, so, you know, the benefits of serving the legal niche is that you know what their pain points are. Um, you, you know, you can, you know, pretty much streamline what you're doing already, like in operations by running the right ads. Um, social media, it's easier because you know what, what they're looking for, right? Um, you know, if you service, let's say we service PIs, we service uh, family attorneys, and we know what their pain points are. So, you know, just the whole process makes it easy when you're trying to fulfill, I would say. Excellent. So uh, you said you had about five clients in the legal niche. When you did decide to make that pivot, like what was the play that helped you get the next five? Because that's usually the next big challenge. Like, okay, I'm going to go after this niche. How do we get my first one, right? And you already had five to play with. So that is a tip for you if you run an agency that's general right now. Try and find the path of least resistance, right? Where you already have some clients, where you already have some success, and then parlay that into everybody else within that space. So how did you, how did you kind of expand the, the market share? Yeah, so what we did was we, we started with cold outreach, like many of you guys. We started with cold outreach. We, we purchased a list. And then we, we started just shooting out emails and we got a couple clients from there, but I think the biggest momentum was, was that we started looking for JV partners, but that happened probably a year after, like a year and a half after, but in the beginning, it was pretty much uh, cold outreach. Um, we, we were also hitting some local bars, you know, just attending, you know, some local events, not the, not the drinking bar, but the, yeah, uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Legal, local, exactly for legal attorneys, right? Um, yeah, so pretty much like what got us more momentum was definitely the JV partners that, that we acquired. Um, and then, you know, pretty much from there, we, we started offering as well. Um, you know, we do DMing too, that's a big play for us. We have a marketing assistant that reaches out to the attorneys and we try to get just them to raise their hand. And then we have a sales assistant that follows up but that's a whole story in itself. But yeah, that's pretty much in a nutshell. It started out with cold outreach, then you know pivoted to to having a JV partner. I love that. I think that's a, a path that most most agencies kind of go down. We've got to start to get some results, and so doing the cold outreach, doing the DMing, ultimately transitioning more to attraction based marketing. Which in your case, you landed on a JV, and 
you're only one JV away from a, a seven-figure agency. I, I, I truly believe that I've seen it happen again and again. So look for those influencers that already have relationships with the clients you want to work with. Um, I think for the, for the sake of the listeners, they would all love to hear because attorneys, notoriously hard to get their attention, notoriously hard to, to land as clients, uh, obviously easier when you've got joint ventures. What were some of the messaging that worked, either from the DM side, if you could share a little bit of the, the secret sauce there, or from your cold outreach? Yeah, so for, for the DMing, I would say that that's been a big play because attorneys don't like to be sold, right? <laughs> so what we do is we, we create a lot of videos, like I'm a video guy, so you guys have probably seen my videos, right? Mm -hmm. So videos is a huge play because we're just giving a lot of value on the videos. So what, what my Facebook ads person would do is, he would just do like retargeting ads um, to attorneys and we would just take them from the top of the funnel all the way down and nurture them, right? So I would say doing that and then looking, looking for what their hurts are, like their bottlenecks and try to get your foot in the door like that. And I feel that that has helped us in regards to just getting them to raise your hand, right? And then at that point, we get that sales call and then, you know, and then from there we close it. Love it. So practically speaking when we say dming are we talking facebook are we talking linkedin are we talking instagram yeah so it's it's instagram linkedin and what we're doing as well is just you know using some videos that we have used before and we're just trying to get a conversation from the attorney that's all and just trying to get some you know some lead way so that we can get to that call because like i said it's really hard if you're running ads you know even if they're targeted that they're going to sign up right away or they're going to get into that strategy call. And you know, there's a lot of follow-up too, because we want them to raise your hand and then you have the follow-up uh, sequence, you know, sh you know, sharing testimonials too. We have a couple testimonials. So having that DM is important to just get them to raise your hand. And we, we do strategies on stories too, which is very, what we do is it's um, you know, pretty much messenger ads. So you know, we create messenger ads where we just want them to say a comment to what it is, right? The, the titles are different titles. I don't have them right now with me, but we're just trying to talk to their pain points pretty much. Love it. Some great tips, some great tips there. Um, it, on the very front of the, of the DMing, right? So you connect with this attorney, you start putting out content that they're seeing. What would that first message be? Like, well, how do you start that conversation in their, in their LinkedIn? Like, is it just like, hey, Attorney Jones, or like, like talk us through at least like the first couple messages. Yeah, I would, I would just say like, um, you know, talking about their brand, like, Hey, we, we noticed, we noticed that your, your reviews are not so good. You know, we can, we can get you on a quick strategy call where we can help you get more reviews, you know? So it does have some type of direct response, but you're, you're pinpointing something that they're lacking in, mm. which is probably their website. Their website looks terrible. Right. And you say, Hey, we just saw your website and you don't have a chat feature, like you're losing so much business, right? You don't have anything um, shown, right? And so we try to find those pain points and start the conversation with the pain points. Love it, practical practical example there for you guys to sink your teeth into, connect with these people, put out good content, start a conversation, start it with a, hey, we found this issue, we found this problem, would you be open to me kind of either jumping on a call to show you or maybe- And I wanna share something else too, it's, yeah. it's hard to cut you, but- no. <laughs> The other issue is that it's important that if if you're trying to get them to to you know to get a sale, like let's say you're trying to get them to do Facebook ads 
or trying to get them to build a website, you want to make sure that your website looks good and your social profiles because they're going to look at that too. So you have to be like eat your own dog food before as well because they're going to look at it. Good stuff. Makes sense? Yeah, no, no doubt. So if you could talk a little bit about what, like what you deliver, you know, because I think we all come to this with a different suite of services, websites, SEO, pay-per-click, Facebook ads, marketing automation, who knows what else. Uh, what is it that you're typically doing for the attorneys that you serve? Yeah, so we, we typically serve them with a full suite, you know, like SEO, website, uh, Facebook ads, or PPC, depending on their budget. And we also give them the software, you know, which is high level, which of course we white label it as well. And we, we try to uh, talk to them that this is the growth plan they need, right? And, you know, that's pretty much it, yeah. And then from there, we, we try to find like what, what they're hurting into. Like we're going in there and figuring out like on the sales call, what is it, you know, what is it that it's gonna make them better? Because a lot of times we wanna sell them the highest package, right? But maybe they don't need it. Maybe they just need a good follow-up sequence and you can sell them what they need. So I think that's important. So a very consultative approach. Hey, meet with the attorney, find out what their goals are, find out what's missing, what they perceive to be an issue, and then slot in what it is that makes sense. Exactly, exactly, yep, totally, yep. Love it, Alicia, Alicia asked, what's a JV partner? Um, so for the sake of Alicia, and maybe the others that aren't familiar with the terminology, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so a JV is a joint venture, which you're creating like an agreement with someone that has your ideal client. So with us, um, we have a local bar, which is not a drinking bar, <laughs> once again. <laughs> it's a local bar with attorneys, and it's a Hispanic, you know, it's pretty much Hispanic, and we knew someone that knew the main president of that local bar. So what I did was, is that I offered them free marketing for them, you know, not expecting anything in return. And that got me in the door. And then once we started working with them, then that president liked what we did for them. Then they started recommending us like other attorneys within the space. And we do give him some type of kickback. So, you know, you can give them 10% one time or, you know, sometimes you don't have to give them anything because they're not expecting anything in return. Powerful. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I like what you said there. And this is kind of the main play right now that's, that's driving the deal flow is find someone that's already got the clients you want and then add value in advance, right? Don't just go in and say, hey, can, can you refer me to your client base, right? That's the recipe for them being like, get out of here, right? They're approached by people all the time. They're only gonna refer to you if they trust you, they believe you can help their customer base. Uh, and so what John did was he put his hand way out and he said, hey, look, let me, let me do this for you and ask for nothing in return. And when you do that, the power of reciprocity starts to come into play, especially 100%. if you do it right, they're like, hey, you're helping me, how can I, how can I help you? 100%, 100%. Yeah, the more you give, I believe that the more value you give, you know, the more relationships you get, the more income you get, and it's about value. So that's, yeah, like I'm a big proponent of that. Excellent. So we've talked a little bit about how you got the first couple of clients, what's kind of working right now from a client acquisition perspective, kind of what your, what your program looks like and what you're selling on a consistent basis. Like, do you do anything from a positioning perspective? I know you do great with videos, but what else are you doing to position yourself in that niche to become magnetically attractive? Yeah, so we haven't written our book yet. So shame on me on that. I should have written it. <laughs> um, so definitely we're almost done with the book. But I say presently, besides the videos, is what we try to do is attend, um, you know, we're, we're attending our first legal show and we're trying to get a speaking gig. We haven't gotten it yet. 
But I would say the biggest thing is um, would be the podcast, but we haven't started it yet. So that's that's another play to to position yourself. But I would say the biggest thing for us has been the videos. The videos just marketing ourselves, and some of the videos are general videos, and we target it, you know, you know, you know, for the niche. Um, so I would say video is huge for us. It's been huge, like a positioning. Love it. So don't feel like you have to do it all, right? There's a lot of different assets you could use to position yourself. You mentioned a book, you mentioned a podcast, you mentioned webinars. For for John specifically, is built to seven figures in his niche, predominantly focused on the JV. But if you look John up on Instagram, he's got constant great video content. So I think it would be really cool if you talk a little bit about how you come up with the topics for that. They always look really polished and professional. Like what tools you're using to create those videos. If you don't mind kind of unpacking yeah. that, yeah, give sure. me a yes if you'd like to hear that in the, in the comments. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, so we, um, you know, the type of videos are pretty much some of them are general. Some of them are talking like the hook story offers or, you know, starting with a hook first and just finding that pain point that the attorneys are looking for, right? Some of them are super general because remember, people, you know, people are going to do business with other people and people that they're common, you know, with. So for example, there are some attorneys that do business with us because I'm a Heat fan. I mean, it's ridiculous, but because they saw me with a video talking about the Miami Heat, right? So the more videos, I would say, um, you know, just put yourself out there, have a hook story offer, make the video short, like I would say, like a minute, like a minute and a half. The softwares, I mean, we use uh, CapCut, we use CapCut, we use Descript, and you know, some of the guys use um, like Adobe Premiere, like I'm not so much in tune with what they use, but I have a marketing assistant that does it. And that's one thing, like don't, don't overthink it when you're doing the videos, like just start doing it and you're gonna see a lot of things are gonna happen with that. Love it. So I'm just curious, on your end, do you schedule this in advance? Do you have a certain frequency? Do you try and do a, a video a week, a video a month, or is it just kind of as you're inspired, you'll take out the phone and, and shoot something? Yeah, so we, we have tried blocking days, and that's the best thing. If you're trying to start, block your day, like have one day where you record, you know, 50 videos or 20 videos, right? And one, once you finish, then you schedule it. Like we use um, this system called Metrical, which schedules all of our social media and everything. And we follow the syndication process, you know, process, which Josh taught, which is pretty much we syndicated, you know, to the email list, to LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you know, everywhere. Like even on the website, we, we put the right meta tags, like on the title tags. We want to make sure that we're coming out. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. So some great takeaways there. Short form content does work. A lot of times you think, oh, you don't want this short form content. No one's going to watch it. Obviously it's, it's working time block. you like, don't try and do it every day. Do, do a, a week in advance or a month in advance if you can, and then take your hands off of it, right? You, you should not be, you know, all day on your cell phone, shooting videos, like we're, <laughs> we're going to shoot a video right now. And then, Hey, Hey John, hold on for a second. And spending half your day scheduling this stuff out, right? You want a team, that can do it. Can you talk a little bit about how you built your team to, to take those videos and, and implement them or kind of roll them out for you? Yeah, the other tip I wanted to share before that question is, you know, a great way would be to also have someone interview you like today, right? Josh is interviewing me and he can cut that up into different pieces if he wanted to, right? The same thing is you can do that. Or if you start a podcast, you can also, you can also cut the pieces, right? Um, the other thing too is if you're doing webinars, which I didn't mention, we have done a couple webinars which have worked. So webinars are amazing because you can grab the content and just you know pretty much break it up into pieces. 
Um, when it comes to the team, you know, what was the question? Sorry, the previous question about the team. How do you get a team in place that, that can take your video content, edit it, put the okay, right captions, so you're not personally loading it and scheduling it all up? Yeah, you can, you can hire, I mean, you can hire somebody locally that has some type of Photoshop skills, graphic design. I mean, nowadays people are born like into social media, you know? I mean, my, you know, my 16 year old girl knows how to do it already. So get someone that loves to be on social media that has some type of knowledge when it comes to Photoshop. And then when it comes to the team, we have, um, we have a marketing assistant that comes up with all the titles with, you know, chat GPT coming up with, with slogans, with pain points. And then she does it all. I mean, she, she edits the video, she, she comes up with the titles and she schedules it. I mean, that's simple. And then you need someone else to, to actually record the video if you're going to do it with someone else. But if not start, start on your own, like block two hours and get in front of a camera and, and start, you know, start producing video. Love it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. If you can have someone else come up with a topic, all you have to do is say, okay, bam, take out the phone and record. Absolutely. I think you do a lot of different um, locations. Like, you know, for me, I do a lot of videos in this type of environment, but I see you, you're out walking at the park, you're in your car. I think for social short form videos, there's a, there's a, a big reason to do that. Can you talk a little bit about why you do those types of videos? Yeah, no, for sure. So I believe that people are going to do business with you because they like you. Right. That's part of it. It's that like factor. And I've heard that from many people. Right. They're like, John, man, I like doing business with you because I just love your videos. Right. And some of it might attract, you know, others in the niche that you don't want. But I believe it will attract your niche if you target if you target them. Mm. So doing doing them in different areas that motivates me because, um, you know, that creates a better environment as well for you to be motivated instead of just doing it always in an office you can do it at the soccer field and, and then people can relate to you when they see you there that you're human, right? The goal here is to be human and to put yourself out there. So, you know, that's why I do it. Yeah. And, and I think just being conscious that there's a difference between long form content that you would do like a webinar or like a 10 minute expl explanation. And that usually is going to be horizontal versus short form, which is like kind of close up to your face and you're having a personal conversation while you walk at the park you know, why you, you know, go down you know, to the beach or whatever it is. Um, like, why do you feel like a, a vertical video resonates a little bit differently on Instagram or TikTok than a horizontal style? Well, that, that's what's in right now. That's what's in right now. And, and people, you know, they're, you know, they're on their phone. Um, their attention span is super, super short. I mean, I see my kids just, you know, <laughs> so that's, that's pretty much it. Now, now I do believe in long form too. I believe that there is a place for that. I'm not trying to, you know, to, you know, to take that out, but what you could do too, is that when you record long form, which is horizontal, make sure that you record it in 4k because you can actually grab content from there and mm -hmm. then cut it out, you know, have someone cut it out for you in vertical. But I believe vertical is important because it fits right in your phone. Your phone is vertical when you're actually scrolling. And, and yeah, I guess that's the main, you know, advantage point with, you know, which doing it vertical. Excellent. There, there's a question here, which is how big is the team? You know, running the seven figure agency now, um, you know, obviously doing a lot of your own marketing. What does the team look like? Yeah. So we have uh, 13 people in house. Okay. They're all in Colombia. My parents are from there. We have two people here. My son helps me, my wife, and we have one other person here that helps us, which does a lot of our local videos because we, we sent out a team as well, um, you know, as a retention strategy to do that. 
But yeah, it's, it's pretty much uh, 13 and then plus like two or three here in, in Miami. Fantastic. And I think it's really interesting that the, the line share of your team is in Columbia. Um, and I know a lot of a lot of our listeners or our viewers would love to have an international team and they'd love to, you know, get the talent maybe that, you know, they couldn't access here in the United States for a price that's a little bit better. Can you talk about why Columbia for you, uh, how you recruit in Columbia? Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, from that, you know, from that country, my parents are from there. So we started, you know, we started from there because my parents have a, you know, like a different business and they already had a team there. So that's how I started getting into Colombia, uh, you know, started with one and then two, then three. And the advantages would be, of course, there's a cost effect, you know, advantage as well. Um, there, there is certain, certain areas or, or certain roles that, that people from Colombia may not be the right fit, but the majority of what we do, it's, it's been working out. And, and I would say the biggest benefit is the time zone, same time zone. Um, you know, I recommend if you are thinking of getting like an international team is look, look for that one person that sees your whole vision, right? And then start building your team from that person. You know, it's kind of like the LeBron James. Look for that LeBron James, like that operations manager or maybe that marketing assistant or and build your team like around that person. Because it's very important if you're going to have the majority of your team there, you want someone that sees it like an integrator or right. Love it. So, so your team internationally, there's a there's an actual operational center. Like there's an office they go to at least some of them. Yes. Which is I think unique to you. A lot of times when we think international, we think a lot of people just working from their homes, cranking away. There. What are, what's the benefit of having a uh, an actual facility that they go into and work from versus working from home internationally? Yeah, so I love culture. Like I'm an operations person, I love it. And and I like when I go to Columbia because I go there four or five times a year. You know, I love hanging around with my team. I'm just it's just part of who I am, right? And I envy them because I wish I had it here. I don't. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, my you know the advantage is that you're building stickiness, retention because, you know, people you know they're going in, they're seeing each other. Um, there's my opinion, there's more accountability when you're rubbing shoulders and you're next to each other. But there is, of course, there's other people like we, we have two people that are not in our office and it's been working out fine. So I think each one has a disadvantage and advantage, but I would say for us has been the accountability. Um, and then, and then of course the culture, I think when, when you have an in-house team, you can build like an easier culture, not, you know, not to say that you can build a culture with people working remotely because you know, that can be done as well. So any, any tips on how to, how to manage, because you're, you're in Miami, the team works in, in Columbia. It's great to have that uniform time zone, but how to keep them productive, how to keep them on, on task. Yeah. So we, we use time doctor, we use ClickUp. Um, when it comes to management, we, um, we have meetings, you know, we have, you know, the leadership meeting where we are self, you know, self implementing EOS. So we, we do have an operations person that leads it there. Um, so I would say the biggest thing is, is having that accountability person that sees the vision. Like in other words, he's the John that's here, you know, and he sees what needs to get done over there. And, and I would say that's the biggest thing, just making sure that they're meeting their tasks. And, and I can just look at it to myself here because we do have meetings. Of course, it's not like I'm just here and there over there. We do have regular meetings that I'm involved in, like the, you know, the leadership team, we even have games within the actual Zoom, so I feel like I'm there. 
Um, I have cameras that I can see them if I want to, which, you, you know, it, it's part of, yeah, yeah, pretty much what it is, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, overall, I would say just having the right person there to oversee and make sure that the tasks are getting done um, and just having a good system. Excellent. I think, yeah, one of the things he said that's really important is whether your team is in office in the United States, um, is international, um, is virtual, having a good meeting rhythm where you know everyone's going to get together and there's something like EOS or at least some other agenda-based meeting where the whole company can align around similar values and have clear objectives that they're working towards. Um, I think for us, when we went from in-office to virtual, if we didn't have that, it would have been catastrophic. So I think that's a great share. Yeah, and I want to share another uh, tip is that we have been doing learning meetings. Learning meetings is just where we educate self-development mm. for the team. And that's been huge, huge. I mean, we do it every single week for 30 minutes and we do it on Fridays. And that has been amazing because the team member sees that we're pouring into them, you know, and what we do pretty much is we just go through an audiobook. We go through an audiobook on on self-development and we choose a book and we even give them to teach it too. So we've seen, you know, stickiness. I mean, we've had you know, some team members with us for more than four or five years, right? So, you know, that's been a big play as well. I think that's a great tip. And if you want your team to step up, the very best thing you can do is not to teach them, but to let them teach the group. Absolutely. Because the way you truly master a skill is when you, you have to teach it, right? Mastery yep. comes from teaching. So I think that's a really important and valuable, valuable share. So let's shift gears a little bit. We talked about the team and the operation and you know things uh, being run out of Columbia from an operations perspective. Let's talk a little bit about retention because attorneys are notoriously hard to get, they're hard to deliver for, and then they're super hard to retain, right? Because everybody's going after them. What are some of the things you put in place to, to, to create a great experience and to retain the client base? You know, so get ready, like in your notebooks, I'm gonna tell you something that you're gonna love. <laughs> I love that. All right. So the biggest thing that I learned last year was when Josh had a panel with the fastest growing, you know, the Inc. 5000, you had a panel. Right, yes. Right, and I remember one of the persons said that if you wanna grow your agency, you need to become a partner, you need to become a consultant to your clients, right? And then he started talking about what that meant. You know, and you know, pretty much what that means is that you wanna find out what they're hurting in, mm. right? So even though you're selling them SEO and PPC, what are they hurting in? Like when your account manager is speaking to them, what do they need? Like maybe they need a good follow-up system and you can offer them, you know, high level. Maybe, maybe for us, like what has been working for us is that we, we give them access to like our creative team. So most of them go to trade shows. So we do their graphic design for them. Um, some of them had trouble with even like employing, like they were letting go of people because they were trying to minimize their expense. And we told them, hey, we can, we can get you somebody from Colombia. And that was you know, part of our service. So we were looking at them as more of a, like you know, finding out what, what their pain points are. And they were looking at us, not just as the marketing agency, but as a resource that you know, you know, you know, if they need something from us, we, we can deliver on it as well. I mean, not to spread yourself too much either, but you know, that's a great share, right? Really understanding their pain points, not just looking at singularly, like here's what we do, but really solving their issues and, and being a partner with them. Very cool. Yeah. Any other cool uh, client retention tips? Um, communication is big. I mean, you know, big. Um, we, we communicate, like over communicate like crazy. Like we have uh, two account managers where we communicate every month with them, make sure we send them the reporting, uh, you know, making sure that 
their their Facebook ads, you know, you know, you know, pretty much is you know doing well. If if we're not getting a hold like of the attorneys, what we do is we create a Loom video, and and we just want to make sure that we're over communicating. So you know that would be another play that that we're good at. You know, making sure that we're over communicating. So good, so good. So let's let's talk operationally. Um, obviously, now you've got these. I think you said thirteen full-time employees yeah. dedicated to the company. You didn't start there. Like, what's the journey been as you've built the team and removed yourself from certain processes? Like, what were the first three positions you hired for, if you can recall? Yeah, I was I was blessed to hire. The first person that I hired was, you know, he was a graphic designer. I mean, but but he had a lot of operational like experience, and he saw the vision. But if I had to redo it again, like I would look for that operations person and then that marketing assistant because the marketing assistant is what's going to drive it. And then from there, like an account manager, you know, those would be my three. Mm. But for us, it started with someone that saw the vision, saw the vision and started learning. And he had some type of operational background. And then from there, we were, we were just hiring what we needed at the time. And, you know, from that time, I think um, we were more into graphics and stuff. So we kept on hiring more graphic designers, but then we started pivoting into more like SEO person, then we, we started offering Facebook ads. So we hired the Facebook ads person. And then we had all these clients. We need an account manager. So we hired an account manager. So I think it's, it's a process that, that every agency goes. I think it's, it's really hard just to say, hey, just hire these three or four and you're going to be fine. So I think it's, it's having that person that sees the vision is, is key. Love it. Great tips there. I guess the other relevant question would be recruitment. Um, you've recruited this team for yourself. You also have Go Staffing now, which is a, uh, a staffing service for agencies. A struggle a lot of the seven-figure agency community was having is like, how do we find the right people? How do we get them placed? Um, and so since John's done so good with that, he started Go Staffy, and he'll be, he'll be sponsoring our uh, upcoming intensive. So if you happen to be coming, definitely come see John for that. Or if you need help hiring creative web development, these guys are doing a great job for the members in the community. Um, but like, what are some of your, your recruitment tips? How do you find quality international talent and and kind of sort the the cream from the chaff yeah so we um how we find them is pretty much um you know we have different sources like um we actually have a company you know in colombia that we partner with and they give us good source from there but if you wanted to do it you know is is pretty much on your own what you can do is run ads on linkedin you can rat you know um you know run ads on facebook on instagram and what we do is what we try to do is just dialogue with them like we have specific ads going out to the specific role that we're looking for and we have another marketing assistant that just asked the right question to make sure that they're the right fit that they speak good english that they're good with follow-through um and then we we take them down through a form that we give them and they fill it out and then we understand like what their strengths are if it's a good fit or not and that's how we select them. And then of course we run them through a rigged um, like interview process where we take them. And yeah, the biggest thing for us too is not just finding good talent is you wanna make sure that you're giving them the right like assessment test, making sure that they have a good character. Cause we have seen people in our agency cause we build agencies. I mean, that, you know, if they didn't have the right attitude we don't hire them. I mean, no matter how good you are, I mean, attitude you can't fix, right? So we take them down to make sure that their attitude is good, making sure that, that they're good, of course, with what they're doing, that's important as well. 
So we have just different tests we give them and different like interview process in order you know to fulfill that. Love it. So how do you? So if you could, like, how do you test for attitude? Like, how do you? Is it a gut check thing, um, or like, how do you? How do you gauge that? Yeah. So, I mean, we have a recruiter that that works for us in house, and we give her we give them questions like, um, for example, like, hey, if we hire, let's say we hire a web designer, we ask them, hey, are you okay to wear multiple hats? Like, if we needed you to learn Facebook ads or to learn and you know, by the way that they respond, if they say, no, no, I just want to do websites. I mean, we, we have like certain questions we ask them to make sure. The other question we ask them to is, is for long-term because we're hiring for long-term. We don't want to hire anyone that is thinking. So we ask them questions like, hey, what, you know, how do you see yourself in two or three years from now, right? And if they tell us like, well, you know, I'm thinking about just working here for six months and see, and see how it works. And, so we have certain questions we ask them. I would say that's the biggest. I mean, we do give them a, a disc assessment test too that lets us know what type of personality they are. And um, yeah, I would say like that. Just try to give, you know, try to interview them more than once and, and find out if there's anything. I mean, if your gut is telling you like, hey, this guy's not the right fit, then, you know, listen to your gut. Love it. Great tips there. Great, great takeaways. If you have any questions for John while we're still live, put them in the comments. Um, one question I'll have for you is, is kind of thinking back on your journey. Um, I think we, we were talking before this at lunch about like when you came to the first roadmap, you were somewhere between 15 or $20,000 in monthly recurring revenue. Um, and there were a lot of things you needed to, to change, a lot of decisions you needed to make. Um, if you could point to like three key things that you implemented from the seven figure agency uh, that had the biggest impact, what would those be? No, definitely. The, the biggest one I say would be the JV, uh, you know, uh, you know, of course, having a good JV partner. Um, the other, the other things that I've implemented were like, even though they're not to get clients, but it was more on the retention side. Like we created a lot of SOPs cause SOPs, you know, that was new to us too. Mm. So the SOPs we implemented and that helped us so much, um, creating like the experience with a welcome, you know, box, the, you know, the gift basket, but I would say for, to get new clients, I would just say finding the list, making sure you're doing the webinars, which we did a couple of webinars and, and just putting yourself out there. Like Josh is everywhere, right? I mean, he's everywhere in videos, you know, in podcasts, making sure that you're positioning yourself out there. So I would say those have been the biggest things. And then the JV, of course, you know, having a great JV partner. So good. So you've grown to seven figures. Obviously, that's just a, a, a milestone yeah. to even bigger and better things. Um, if you had to share one piece of wisdom with uh, the listener or the viewer that's wherever they are, maybe they're at 10K, maybe they're at 50K monthly recurring, maybe they're at seven figures, like what wisdom would that be that could help kind of inspire them or move them forward? Yeah, I would just say like um, try to remove yourself from the operations as mm -hmm. much as you can, as quick as you can. And I'm reading a book now, uh, Dan Martell, you know, buy back your time, which is huge. Great book. Right? So one tip I give you is don't hire too much on the roles, hire to free yourself up. So I think if that's one, you know, take that you take from this is try to free yourself up so that you can focus on sales and business development. And I mean, for us, it was just trying to, you know, create SOPs for everything so that it frees me up so that I can focus on getting more business and, and being, being the video guy that comes out. And that's the, you know, that's the most, you know, the most important thing, I think. Love that. Free <laughs> yourself up, get yourself out of the day-to-day -day operations, 
Um, and, and for yourself, maybe not just to even do what you like to do or like kind of what you excel at. Also, you've got, you've got three kids now. It seems like you get to spend time with them, Absolutely. you travel. Um, how were you able to, to like create more mental freedom for yourself um, as you grew the business? Oh yeah, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, like if I take you back to my story, I mean, I got like in 2016, I got sick, which I'm not gonna you know, talk about a whole, but like I had a mold issue that affected my body and my business went down all the way to the, I mean, I mean, we had one account in 2016. Wow. Right. And, you know, in 2017, I started doing Uber, which was crazy. Is that right? For like three months. I mean, no one knows about it. This is live. I'm being transparent here. And sometimes I kind of hold myself in tears because where I'm at now, it's 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 incredible. And and I think um, sorry, what was the question? I'm losing my train of no, thought here. Power, an awful share, right? And, and there's people in that place right now. So, yeah. So, you know, it's it's been amazing. Like right now I can, you know, travel, you know, you know, pretty much have a team in place. You know, I have a lot of SOPs, you know, structure. And the goal here is that you want to empower your team. You want to make sure that you have the right people that believe in you, believe in your vision, and make sure that you're empowering them. You know, empowering them and, and just create those SOPs that you need to create so that you can be freed up. Awesome. I think the, 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 the genesis of the question was around how did you change your mindset? from feeling like you needed to do it because you're good with websites, you're good with graphics, Got it. To, to mentally free yourself up. Yeah, so mentally um, was that I, you know, I would say what, what caused me to switch was that, you know, I read a book, I forgot the book, what it's called, but you have to stop being the, the person creating, you know, like in order for you to grow, you need to let go of the things. And it's hurtful because I love to create websites. I love to create, you know, and you have to see the bigger picture. So you need to um, put the why in front. So I think mentally was that I had a vision board and I said, okay, I want to get there. This is my why, you know, I want to spend more time with my kids. I want to travel more. And that was one of the things that I regretted back when I was sick and I was like, man, I didn't travel enough with my, you know, you know, with my wife. And, you know, I regretted a lot of things. So I would say the biggest thing was just making sure you're, you're focusing on your why. Mm. Focus on your why and, and that's going to drive you. Love it, man. Well, hey, congratulations on growing to seven figures. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with the Seven Figure Agency listeners. Uh, thanks for everything you do in the Seven Figure Agency community and now serving the members and helping them uh, recruit high quality talent internationally. Uh, guys, if you got value from today's interview, please reach out to John uh, for his generosity of spirit, his abundance mindset to come on and share what's worked for him and how he's grown. Um, if you had one last tip, or insight to share before we wrap up. Share that out. <laughs> I mean, just just follow the seven-figure model. That's it. I mean, just follow the model and and do the things that you need to do. Like, you know, create the book, get the podcast. You know, that's more than one thing. But just follow the seven-figure model and you're gonna go far. Thanks, man. <laughs> Appreciate you. Congratulations. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll we'll talk to everybody again real soon. All right, thanks.